0: Good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet and I'm here in the studio with just Josh because Lauren is off doing family things, couldn't run into the studio. Patty is home. I don't know how to say this nicely, throwing up. Uh, so she decided it would be better not to be in the studio uh, and infect the rest of us. Uh, our guests today are Bruce Bierman. He's calling in from Berkeley, is it Bruce? Berkeley, uh, California. Berkeley, California, and uh, he's the director of a new play called God of Vengeance. We'll talk about that in a minute. Our other guest is Lisa Gaduldig. She's been with us before. She's calling in from the Holy Land, and um, she is the producer of Lockdown Comedy. Lisa, are you there?
1: I am here.
0: You are there. So how is Del Boca Boynton? <laughs> go Del Lisa. I'm going to be on the
1: uh Committees now. I decided if I'm going to stay in Florida, I'll I'll join the committee. I'm hearing an echo.
0: You hear me okay? Yeah, we're hearing you okay. Um, Okay. Okay, so our generation decided we are not moving to Florida just because that's what our parents and grandparents did. You got stuck in Florida.
1: I came for two weeks, March 3rd, 2020, and I haven't left yet because the pandemic hit and didn't want to leave. My mom alone, so I have not moved here. I just haven't gone home yet.
0: Yeah, you're there forever and ever No, and no, ever. no, 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 no. It, it's one of those places that draws you in and no, throws no, no, a no, no, net no. over you and good. keeps you there.
1: No, the only good thing about this place is the rugula. I have a constant supply of Jewish food here, which I can't really get in San
0: Francisco. <laughs> Have you learned to perfect the skill of fetching?
1: I think I was pretty good at that before I got here. <laughs> yes, but perfected it,
0: perfected it. Learn yeah. new ways to okay. talk about your aches and pains.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I got a colonoscopy. I didn't need one, but everyone else was getting one, so i got one in Rome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, at least you're fitting into the culture there. That's good to hear.
1: And I'm playing rummy cube. I think that really makes me shit in here. But I haven't started pickleball yet. I don't even know what it is, but everyone talks
0: about it. Oh, my everyone cousin plays pickleball. pickleball. Every day. Yeah,
1: like
0: she's in her 60s, right? Uh, It's he, and yes, he's a year older than I am. Okay,
1: yeah, because the people in their 60s are playing pickleball. I think it's some small tennis court.
0: Something like like that, or squash court or something. No, it's a small tennis court, I think. Yeah. Um, Bruce, let's talk sane for a minute. Um, Ven- God of Vengeance is a 1903 Yiddish play?
2: Yeah, written off six, 1906 um, by a former rabbinical student, so maybe a rabbi, and shook the world. Still kind of shaking the world, too.
0: One of the things about this play is when it uh, got to Broadway in 1923. Yeah. It was the first play on Broadway that had a lesbian kiss. That's right.
2: Exactly. And closed down because it had a lesbian kiss.
0: Oh, it did close down because of that. You know, I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah,
2: they shut off. They shut. I mean, I think it ran like three days or something and then the police raided. All the actors, playwright, everyone was taken to court for obscenity. It was an obscenity trial. And slammed with indecency. The only other play that that happened to was May
0: West sex. I think that was like nineteen twenty two as well. Hmm. And I was I hadn't read that part of it uh, about the play, and I was wondering, well, the production codes didn't come into Hollywood until the nineteen thirties, and so maybe they just let it go, but they didn't.
2: Yeah, so it was before the Hollywood Code. Um, and surprisingly, uh, it was led by the conservative Jewish uh, synagogue in New York. You know, Jewish immigrants were still a new thing. Jews hadn't quite gotten their place or their footing yet in society. So they were very careful and paranoid about what was being said about them and showing any, you know, negative traits. Mm-hmm. Or anything like this. It wasn't just the lesbian kiss. It's uh, uh, sort of a message of religious hypocrisy and, and such.
0: Ah, well, w- well, we have our res- uh, our resident lesbian uh, old person with us. Do you remember that, Lisa? Oh
1: yes, I was uh, just a child at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I I was, I was born just about.
0: Sixty years later, and who who was that? Hello. Yeah. Um, Hello. Okay, I have both of you. Um, so, um, Bruce, your play—it was originally in Yiddish, wasn't it? Right, all in Yiddish. Mm-hmm. The production that you're putting on is it translated completely, or it's, it retains some of the some of the Yiddish.
2: Yeah, um, well, you know, we wanted to do this, like, first of all, you know, In Decent, uh, when Tony's best play, best director on Broadway a few years ago, and In Decent tells the story of the production history of God of Endings, which is just astounding,
1: you know. Mm. It
2: was a huge hit in Europe, translated into seven languages, standing ovations throughout Europe. You know, and then it comes to America, and it was done in Yiddish at the Provincetown, uh, theater, which Eugene O'Neill created. And then it came back into an English translation in 22, and that's when it was shut down. So, <clears throat> I was looking for a good translation, and I found a really sort of a clunky one written in 1918. Um, and I was hunting around, sniffing around, and then finally found Parade O'Brien. From Wexford, Ireland, she happened to be an Irish Catholic and the foremost translator of Sholemash. Uh So I found her translation sprinkled Yiddish throughout the, the show, but maintained the English.
1: And no, and no Gaelic. And no
0: Gaelic, yeah. Huh. That's interesting that one of the foremost translators of Yiddish would be an Irish Catholic person.
2: You know, it happens...
0: It happens. That, that's that's just one a, of the
2: great um, Yiddish actors down in New York. Shane Baker is Midwest Irish. He speaks fluent Yiddish.
0: Well, when they did the Yiddish production of Fiddler a few years ago on uh, yeah in the Broadway area, it wasn't in a the Broadway theater, but yeah. it was. Uh, all the actors weren't Jewish. I, I don't. Mean,
2: I don't think so. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, but they certainly had to learn how to. Speak.
0: Jewish.
1: I don't think the Cossacks were Jewish.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true. I did
1: see that at the uh, Jewish Museum before it moved up to Off-Broadway. It was fabulous.
0: And and that's what people who I know who saw it, they all said it was just a fabulous production of it. Yeah.
1: I thought I would go because friends of mine from Camp Hemshek were involved, and I thought, how many times can I see Chiddler on the Roof? I'll go one more time. And it was really amazing. And they had... um, Super subtitles, whatever they're called, in English and, and uh, Russian, and it was a fabulous production.
2: Hmm. I mean, what, Lisa, what was it like to hear like Shalom Alechem's original language? And did it make a difference for you? Yeah,
1: yeah, it was very moving. The whole thing was really beautiful. I was, I was just huh. going because, but I didn't expect to be as moved as I was. Uh huh. Uh
0: huh. And you know, the last time Fiddler played here, it was a dark. Uh, really somber production. All of the Chagall-inspired sets, gone. It was just dark and uh, foreboding. It was just mm-hmm. awful. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and
1: it, in Dallas,
0: Texas. Uh-huh. It makes sense. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So, so uh, you know... theres a
1: little bit of a southern twang...
0: No, no, no. This was a national touring production.
1: Oh, national touring. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it, it, it was just...
2: Who, who was playing Kevia, Do you remember, who I remember? I
0: don't remember. I don't remember. But it, it
2: was I the saw kind... I called Harvey Firestein. in mm-hmm. Kevia in San Francisco.
0: Uh.
2: could not understand a word he was saying. He was like, I had out here. If <laughs> I were a rich
1: man. There's a fabulous film on the making of Fiddler on the Roof. And I didn't know that it was really big in Japan. It was amazing to yeah. see some footage of yeah. were on the roof
0: in Japanese. Well, in yeah. this production, uh, when uh, Goldie sings, do, do, I, uh, do I Love Him? Do you,
1: do you Love Me?
0: No, Do You Love Me? Do You she's, Love Me?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, she's singing at the end, you know, Do I Love Him? You know, and she just kind of ends it with, eh. <laughs> and there was no love there. <laughs> she hadn't grown to love him in this production. It was just really sad. Oh, dear. So. Yeah. Was it Harvey
1: Firestar and Rosie O'Donnell? Didn't she play? Yeah, well, when it came to yeah. campuses, That was believable.
0: She
2: wasn't,
1: she
2: wasn't there, but um, yeah. it was Harvey Firestar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Huh. Well, getting back to your play a little bit. um... So the pandemic happened. You were scheduled to do this play in Berkeley. The pandemic happened, yes. but you yeah. were determined to do the play anyway.
2: Well, I wasn't determined. I really wanted to wait till you know, the theaters came back, but as the days wore on, you realized we never, we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, and then Fauci was saying next year or the year after, so the producers, Laura Shepard, um, co-producing director of the Yiddish Theater on film. And she said, oh, let's just go forward with Zoom. And I was really reluctant. I was hating Zoom at that time. Um, but then...
0: We all have a love-hate relationship with Zoom.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this was in the few, first few weeks of uh, the pandemic where I couldn't figure anything out. And um, so we just went ahead and we were really happy we did how do you... I'm
1: gonna, can I ask a question? Sure, go how ahead. Do direct, how do you direct actors after, in three different cities, New York, San Francisco, Las Vegas, on Zoom? You... Yeah, you know, it was a lot easier
2: than I thought. Um, you know, everyone appeared on, whether they were in New York or L.A., they you all appeared on the Zoom screen, And in a way, I was able to... Um, the same work i do in the theater you know we had our analytical discussions about character in the play together and in a way, it was a little bit more intimate you know i didn't have to yell in the back mm-hmm. of the room to the stage and <clears throat> um it was a little bit more of an intimate process um yeah hmm. uh, that i actually enjoyed how do you I do- think
1: there are things that we're having a love-hate relationship with about performing and producing on zoom like you know i i do stand up and i produce comedy shows and i thought how do you do this on a computer screen and somehow it works and mm-hmm, everyone has does. a front row seat and i'm getting to the point where you know even though i want life to return to some form of normalcy it's nice to not have to schlep which <laughs> oh. is press the oh. button and leave and you're home oh. talking to friends who are boring performers and saying, well, it's so great not to be packing and being in airports, and it's easier. I'm but, you know, you know. So, somehow I, I we manage I'm to. I addicted.
2: I'm No, I like it, too. I like okay. working from my pajamas.
1: Yeah, exactly. I only, only get dressed from the waist up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and Josh, our board operator, who's a teacher, uh, during the week, he doesn't even dress from the waist up.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I heard about <laughs> him.
0: Uh, he's becoming notorious Um, Lisa okay so you're saying or or Bruce you're saying it's more intimate uh, to work with the actors that way Um, Lisa how did you adapt to not having the audience right there because there are some comedians Colbert is my best example I think he falls flat without having his audience there I cannot watch his show right now
1: Okay, so he doesn't have an audience. I'm not performing just to a screen. I have an audience. Um, My monthly lockdown comedy show is bringing 150 to 250 people each month. So I am watching. When I perform, I'm on gallery view as opposed to speaker view because I don't want to talk to myself. So I can see Mm -hmm. people, and you can actually do crowd work. Like, oh. You know, so-and-so, you know, that's a nice dog, or, you know, stop banging your dishes. I mean, that's one thing that we've had to really get people to just re- realize that other people can hear everything that's going on in your little box. You know, if you're yelling at your partner or banging your dishes. So um, there is some strange intimacy. Mm-hmm. As long as I don't really think about the fact that it's a computer screen. You know, I am looking at people, and then I've got friends who are coming, and then people all over the country, and some people in Europe. Um, so there's, you know, it's, it's, you, you reach a new audience and, um, everyone had the front row seat. Stuff.
2: Well, those <laughs> are also, awesome, Lisa, now. with, with Kung yeah. how, um, comedy, you left some of them unmuted so you could hear the left, right?
1: Yeah. What we're doing with both of my shows, Kung Pao of Comedy, the annual show for Christmas, and lockdown comedy is. Within, it's, it's taken us some months to figure out the right formula because comedians need laughter. I've watched some comedy shows where they don't shows where they don't have any of the mics unmuted, and you just need to have an exchange. So yeah. we, in the beginning, we had like ten people unmuted, but then we have more, and then we've allowed everyone to unmute. But then you know you get a out if you're making too much noise, and we just mute your mic. So, you know, sometimes there's too much noise. Like I said, we're trying to figure out the right formula. In the chat, my favorite comment in the beginning when we were doing the shows back in July, August was, tell everyone to stop laughing so I can hear the comment. There's mm. too much laughter. It's like, the oh, third so the show, there's too much laughter. Okay.
0: Lisa, we need to take a break. We're talking to Lisa Godolig. Okay. She is the producer of Lockdown Comedy. Uh, when we get back, we'll let you know how you can listen to it or watch it. And uh, Bruce Bierman, he is the director of uh, the very old play, God of Vengeance. And we'll let you know how you can get tickets to see that. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet. Here by myself, because my co-hosts abandoned me. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet. We're talking to Bruce Bierman. He is the director of God of Vengeance, which will be uh, playing online from May 2nd to May 31st. And we're also talking to Lisa Godoldig. She's the producer of Lockdown Comedy, uh, and it's held the third Thursday of every month, and it's held live. Um, First, Bruce. How can people see God of Vengeance?
2: Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to. Is it okay to give you the website? Sure. Ticket information and everything. Sure. Okay. So it's Klez California. That's K L E Z California, all one word. Dot org slash Yiddish, and then the dash in between theater, the to spell theater, Theatrot. With an R E, and then another middle dash, and then ensemble, E N S E M B O E, and then dash,
0: and it'll take you to all the ticket information. Dash or slash at the end?
2: Uh, a slash.
0: Slash. Okay.
1: Allow me to interject as the public yes. for that. Cityboxoffice.com slash Yiddish is where you get tickets. That's then. easier. Oh,
2: thank you, Lisa. This you is can
1: also back- our... So you. you can backtrack from there because that
0: was a lot of slashes and dashes and REs. So cityboxoffice.com slash Yiddish. Can you watch it anytime uh, during the month of May?
1: You, well, you have two days to
2: stream it. You have 48 hours. When you buy your ticket for specific those specific 48 hours, you have 48 hours to watch it stop it, you can watch it you know, as, at your leisure.
0: Okay, and Lisa, for Lockdown Comedy, if somebody wants to join you for your third Thursday night evening of comedy? Yes,
1: that's also cityboxoffice.com but it's cityboxoffice.com slash lockdown comedy.
0: One word, no no slashes and dashes? Yes,
1: correct. And uh, my website is koshercomedy.com kosher with a K and comedy with a city people always want to spell kkk there but no
2: no mm-hmm. <laughs> better not won't give it but... better not
1: yeah so our next show is uh may 20th um steve middleman from new york, from l.a Nathan Huppie from new york emily bendick from san francisco my mother who's 90 who started performing stand up comedy at the right Young age of 89 last July on my show. She's been doing stand up as well. So that's a treat. to get to hear about her and her uh, penchant for young hot firemen and UPS and else
0: in the And I met your mother. I was down in Florida visiting my family um, a week before the lockdown started. And so Lisa and I did get together. Right, we, we got together, and I did get to meet your mother, and she is a character.
1: She's a pistol.
0: She is, um, Bruce. In your play, you also have a ninety-year-old actress.
2: We do. Her name is Naomi Newman, the legend. Here in, in I, I think in the states, but especially here in the Bay Area, she started uh, a radical avant-garde Jewish theater document. in. Lisa, maybe you remember, but I think the. 70s, something like this, and it, it was like a last for 34 years. toured all over the world, um, and I, as a college student going to UC Santa Cruz, would drive up to San Francisco just to see their plays. It was so extraordinary. And then when I moved up here and started doing theater, I invited her to be a part of our last production, a musical. And she's ninety years old, and she knew her lines. She had more lines in the story than anybody, and she knew them better than anybody. She came pre-paired. She's also queer. She's married uh. to uh, Barbara Barbara Gordon, who's a famous drummer.
0: Huh? Uh, is most of your cast gay or LGBT? No,
2: I, I, I a handful. You know, in I I got uh, luck, we lucked out with the two young girls, both queer, in fact, we both identify as they or that's their pronoun, and they understood these parts so well. And um, I I, I just love their performances, and they have a really special connection on the camera.
0: What did you have to learn in order to? do this production and transfer it to Zoom, and how did you have Mm -hmm. to imagine the production differently with, I mean, the famous part of this play is the lesbian kiss. They're in two different places. Right. Well, a
2: lot of, you know, we were working even more heavily with um, you know, the whole Thomas method, which was happening right at the time the play was written and influenced Shulamash, meaning that I wanted the actors to be really natural in front because the faces were plastered right up front of the camera so there was no faking, uh, no faking it because
0: mm-hmm. the audience
2: could see. So we worked very deeply on the characters and who they were and what they wanted, and I did a lot of takes. You know, if I wasn't, if I didn't believe it, I would, I would do another take. Um, and, and I encourage the actors to, you know, they have to project because they're not on stage. It could be very natural with the voices. Um,
0: but Yiddish theater traditionally, Yiddish theater traditionally does over emote and over overact a little bit. Did you keep a little bit of that in, in your production?
2: absolutely you know and i love that i love that kind of larger operatic emotion um and and that's also from europe you know mm-hmm. americans are a little bit more uh, um, um less expressive and europeans you know they cry and they laugh and they hug each other it was coming from that tradition but really when i was but even about the history of Yiddish theater, the Yiddish actors were the first ones to introduce inner, uh, natural acting to Broadway. Hmm. You know, they were coming with Ipsen plays and Chekhov plays, so they, they knew Stanislavski, they knew the technique. So along with that operatic emotion, there's something very real
0: as well. Hmm. Um, one of the things you said was if you didn't like the way... One take uh, looked or worked or um, have the actors interacted. You could take another t- another take. You can't do that on stage. Can't do that on
2: stage. Yeah, there is a trade-off. You know, on stage, you know, the act—it's really the actors' show. The director. Opening night, the director says goodbye, mm-hmm. really, and the actors take it and they grow with it and they they find their speed and they find their tempo. We couldn't do that here. So, but what I could do was do
0: multiple takes. So it became more of a director's show.
2: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And then the editing later was even more directing. I, I figured, oh my God, I can shape this story in a way that I wouldn't be able to do on stage. For example, I really wanted the audience to see this play to the eyes of Rizkola, the young girl, the young daughter, whereas usually the play is circling around Yonkel, the, the patriarch, um, and the great actors of Europe would play this part, and everybody wanted that part, but I was focused on this
0: girl. Um Okay, so that was one thing that you were able to do that Zoom allowed you to do. But your actors were actually in different cities. How did you yeah. do things like set design and costuming? They no, weren't there for a fitting. You
2: know, I, exactly. Yeah. So the costume was done by um, Susanna, um, I'm losing her last name, but she worked with the at San Francisco Opera. So we did, they sent in their measurements to her, she was living she lived in Manhattan. And we we tried to see what the actors had themselves. If they didn't have it, we'd buy it and we'd ship it to them.
0: And then, if they needed it to be fitted, they just went to somebody locally.
2: Yeah, hopefully we got it right the first time. But if not, there was a couple cases where we had to send it back and, and re-
0: redo it ah. again. But so the costumes are done that way. What about set design? Because And the set design... The part that I saw, actually, it, it had a set that was like a, a Broadway set. Oh,
2: yeah. It was gorgeous. Jeremy Knight, who, who works for West Edge Opera, does their set digitally. Digitally. Um, he did our set, and it tied everything together. You know, you knew who was in the same room. I would ask him for these, you know, in between act that would ask for these things to pull out from the apartment to go up to the sky make it rain and he did all he just rendered it incredibly beautifully hmm.
1: but first didn't all the actors act on green screen and then and they, they all, all acted after
2: exactly, exactly. we sent them green screens and lights that's what we did
0: thank you Lisa and oh ok so this me. was all done in post production it was done in post production yeah. OK, so you sent them a green screen. You sent them lighting. I, I, how did they work in their um, in their houses? Were, yeah, did I they have to sit and have somebody there adjust the lighting for them?
2: Well, they tried to do this themselves and believe me, you know this is during the pandemic. Wildfires were happening I mean, throughout California, you know, internet were down. It was, there was a lot of obstacles to overcome with this. You know, bad internet one day, we had to refill it the next day. But they really only had maybe, um, I'd say 12 feet, uh, to move on either side. 12 feet, that's all they had. So, you know, we did entrances and exits and dancing and mm-hmm. out in the rain, all in those 12 by 12
0: uh, feet. Oh, okay. So they had to set a camera also. Were they setting? Yeah, they were
2: using their computer mm-hmm. and the, our technical director was filming on like three cameras at, at in his site. But everybody used their own zoom
0: and and computer. Um, and when they said, well, if it was far enough back, how did you pick up the sound?
2: That's a good question. We did lose some sound. <laughs> we did back up a little bit. So uh, if we did, if there was a couple things that we lost. We had to redo the sound later in post-production. But for the most part, it, it caught it pretty well.
0: Okay. Um, And I guess it depended on the person's computer.
2: Yeah, yeah, or their internet, you know, um, strength for that day.
0: And that was what I was going to ask next. What about the varying speeds of internet between different places?
2: Yeah, Uh, at times it didn't work, and people, we had to call them back if their internet wasn't working.
0: Oh, if their internet wasn't working at all. I was thinking more... Just you ha- ha- had slow internet speed, which happens on Zoom well, that's sometimes. That
2: too, that too, and it was jumpy and oh, it was so
0: dusty. Okay, so to to film this two-hour play, which normally on stage well, like
2: would take it's a hundred. It's a hundred. We, we got it down to a hundred minutes.
0: Okay, so the hundred-minute play, which would on stage take a hundred minutes to, to run through. How long did it take you to film?
2: Um, I'd
0: say three months. Three months. So if you got five minutes in a day, you were doing well. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's sort of what happens on a film. I've been on some film stuff. You know, Ninety-minute film is about ninety days to film.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sure.
0: That. Mm-hmm. Sure, but if if we're thinking a play, it's interesting. That it was more like a film, and my point was tonight's the Oscars. Okay. Um, and going through some of the entries because theaters weren't open most of the year, going through some of the entries, a, a, a number of the, uh, pl- a number of films that were nominated for Oscars were just seen on Netflix. How come they're not going for Emmys, and why would they qualify for Oscars? <laughs> Um,
2: yeah, it became a very gray area that we had to call SAG and we had to call Astra. Can actors do this if they're in, you know, in equity? And it, it was a very gray area with this Zoom production.
0: And, and what was their answer?
2: <sighs> that it was a gray area. There, there was no, you know, first of all, the offices were closed. We couldn't get a hold of. Them
0: them Mm -hmm. and then we got an answer that really didn't have
2: an answer yet about it well that was nice so we just you know just yeah yeah so we just went ahead and did it
0: i i I mean you would think they'd want their actors acting because you're not paying union dues if you're not acting
2: yeah you'd be surprised they're they're very very stringent
0: i wouldn't be surprised i i've I've dealt with them before because I've done Mm -hmm. several TV things and movie things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that, but boy, is that frustrating when you're trying to just get an answer. You aren't trying to go against any of their rules. You were trying to participate in their rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now that you have this film production, what's it qualified for? It certainly could go for a Tony. uh, it, uh, that's the thing. Is it theater?
2: Is it film? Is it T V? Is there a new genre now? Zoom
0: production? Well and that's what I have in my notes. Uh, is it a new production uh, method? Is it a new is it a new genre?
2: People are saying that it is and one thing people kept saying about art our, our Zoom production was that gosh I've never Seeing anything like this, it's not like the Zoom theater. You see a lot where people can sit in front of their cameras, where it's fully staged and fully costumed. Mm -hmm. um, There's music and there's graphic art. um, But we'd like to put it into a couple of film festivals
0: um, if possible. Which will qualify as... Mm-hmm. If you put it into film festivals, then it qualifies as film. Doesn't it?
2: Right, right. So, it will. it is on film, you know? And be cut it like a film. I, I think... But then a lot of people said, wow, it, you know, it also felt like it felt like I was in the theater, too. It was like mm-hmm. two things. I was... We forgot that it was Zoom, like it was a movie, but it also felt... And I did that purpose. I left the camera on two actors without cutting, cutting, cutting all the time. So it did have that sort of stage feel. You had to be with the actors for a little longer.
0: Okay, so there are ways to make Zoom work for you as a stage production, even though it's a film production, even though it isn't really... Right. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's interesting. Well, you might be eligible for the first Zoomy. I hope
2: so. <laughs> <laughs> I would
0: love to. We need to take a break in a minute. We're talking to uh, Bruce Bierman. His new play is play, Zoomy uh, film. We're not sure what it is, uh, but his new production oh, is...
2: Oh, I, I started calling it a Zoomy, too. I'm calling
0: uh, it a Zoomy. Perfect. His new Zoomy is God of Vengeance. Uh, it's available to stream from May 2nd to May 31st. If you'd like tickets to see his show, go to cityboxoffice.com slash Yiddish. And then the ticket that you buy is good for 48 hours from the time you buy it. Is that right? That's correct. And after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more to Lisa about her lockdown comedy. If you'd like to see her lockdown comedy production in May, it's the third Thursday in May. Uh, To get tickets for that, it's cityboxoffice.com slash lockdown comedy. And why don't we take our break, and we'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Bruce and Lisa, stick with us. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet. I am here with Lisa Godoldig and Bruce Bierman. Bruce produced what's being called the finest Zumi that's ever been made. Uh, it's called God of Vengeance, which is a 19, 1906. Yeah. 1906 play that's been updated a little bit, translated into English. So you will understand it. Um, And uh, Lisa is the producer of Lockdown Comedy. Lisa, tell us a little bit about how uh, Lockdown Comedy started. It started with um, Kung Pao Kosher Comedy. Yes. So since 1993, I've
1: been producing Kung Pao Kosher Comedy, Jewish comedy on Christmas in a Chinese restaurant.
0: 1993? Since 1993? We've known each other since before you started doing that.
1: Yes, exactly. I came from Dallas. God are you old. So last April, I heard from this uh, over 55 community in Walnut Creek, California, near San Francisco. And I was supposed to be performing at their pride event in June. And I just started to hear about Zoom. They said, we're going to be doing it on Zoom do you still want to perform? And I said, let me take a look at some events and try my hand at performing first. So I started watching some shows and picking notes and thinking, everyone's sitting down. I would stand up. And then I did uh, a show from Oakland. And then it worked. And I thought, okay, I'm ready. And then I decided, okay, this is what I do. I perform and I produce. But what I'm pretty much doing is helping my mom and then being a housewife so I need to get back into my life. So I decided to start producing the show in July. I toyed around with me and came up with like lockdown comedy and just thought, I don't know, how this is going to fly but you know, hundred something people started coming to the show and then David, who's been my sound guy for Kamsah Kosher Comedy for the last dozen years had started branching out into online production. He said, what are you thinking about for 10 I said, I just can't imagine how this show in a Chinese restaurant with round tables of 10 eating Chinese banquet style and all this kitsch stuff and blow up inflatable dreidels and lots of balls. How is it going to work? But we decided to do it and just have some videos and some uh, bouncing dreidels coming in and uh, (laughs) uh, motion graphics with opening fortune cookies and then... I hired someone in San Francisco who helped me with my Esther and Me film. This film I had done about 10 years ago, about my relationship with this woman in her late 90s who lived at the nursing home, Jewish nursing home in San Francisco. So, and I thought I'd have to come back to San Francisco to do this film, but he ended up going to the Fortune Cookie Factory, where I had Yish Kavard fortune cookies made for the show, and he went to the restaurant and filmed, and the restaurant is now operating as an Asian supermarket. And then he interviewed me over Zoom, and then we interviewed someone who's been coming to the show every year. We put this video together, and then I had Judy Gold and um, Alex Adelman as the performers, and mom as well, and it worked. I didn't think it was going to, but it worked. So um, I had two to 3,000 people attending during the show. So reason I say two to 3,000, I sold 2,000 tickets, but we had it on Zoom as well as on Zoom uh YouTube Live. I want to look at the numbers on YouTube Live, there were a lot more people <laughs> viewing that had bought tickets.
0: Well also multiple people in the same living room watching.
1: Uh, yeah, but I mean views. It just ended up being a lot more people. Mm. So I had it over the course of three days like I always do. And two weeks leading up to the show I thought, oh no, what did I do? I should have done one day and what I'm discovering with the Zoom shows is people buy tickets last minute because they can mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. At 5 to 7, they can go, oh, I'm going to quote-unquote go to the show. So That's all right. of the shows, the ticket sales, end up the last couple of days uh, before the show because people don't have to make plans and they don't have to think about parking and babysitters and whatnot. Even if they don't have kids, they have to have a their
0: and that's one thing buying tickets at the last minute um Bruce you'll find i guess that most people because you have 48 hours to watch it there's no reason to buy your ticket before the last minute right kind of right. like going yeah, to a movie we've,
2: yeah who uh, uh, our our incredible publicist you know really told us that and it was true Like it's a whole it, like goldie says it's a whole new world Goldie.
0: A whole new oh, oil. It's a whole new voiled. Vel, well, um, if people want yeah. to see it, they can go exactly. to cityboxoffice.com slash Yiddish for the play slash lockdown comedy for the comedy show. Um, Lisa, do you know who's who's going to be on your May show? I certainly
1: do. Uh, Steve Middleman, who's a comedian out of L.A., Nathan Habib, who is now based in New York, he actually started doing comedy when he was 14, and then I met him that year at Kung Pao, and then he performed on the show at 21, and then again at 30, Mm -hmm. and then Emily Van Dyke, who is uh, part-time dyke, so I guess she's bisexual, out of San Francisco, and Mommy and Me, out of Florida, So each month it's a different lineup and people from all over the country have also had uh, Shazia Mers a couple of times from London and Steve Lee from Hong Kong because I can.
0: Okay, so that brings us to another uh, point. How how does this change after the pandemic? How does this change things having Zoom available or whatever is going to be after Zoom?
1: Well, I think that we at least maintain the online live stream component to the show because people, I think, are still going to want to watch a show that they perhaps are in a different city than. So I feel like it would be suicidal for me to end the online component. Um, and we've reached a large audience that we wouldn't have reached normally. The same with um, God of Vengeance, where there are viewers. Around the US and Europe and Australia. So I think we're not really ready to go back into theaters. We're not ready to go right back into a Chinese restaurant. So I think a lot of producers are going to continue the online component when live theater starts again.
0: Um, Bruce, yeah, have you? I think so. Yeah. I think that, you know, a lot
2: of theater people are talking, oh my God, I felt this too. We did it through our shoestring days. I mean, if we were going to do it in the theater, oh my God, the budget would have been over, you know, $50,000. Um, here we were able to do it. I think it's going to be sort of a new democratic space, you know, where people from all over the world, like Lisa said, could come in and see it, can even act in it. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and you can make, you
2: know, I I have to say, I went to Lisa for the first time. Kung Pao comedy at that fabulous Chinese restaurant. which Lisa did you say was closing this restaurant
1: or it did has mean, something else? Yeah, they've been having uh, they've been using it as a Asian supermarket because they weren't able to run it as a restaurant. So I'm not sure what's gonna be happening because they're supposed to be uh losing their lease in a couple of years and the building is gonna be changed into low income housing. So I don't really know. You know, I was uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, I thought, oh, no, there goes my entire career. I'm sure a lot of artists were thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that know, was your everything, everything I've been building for almost 30 years, and now there's the pandemic and restaurants operating as a supermarket. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen again? So a lot of us have to recreate ourselves, and then we're going to have to recreate ourselves again. You know, when theaters are opening up to 25% capacity, is that enough? A lot of theaters are going to open if that uh, degree, which it's not going
0: to make ends Exactly. It <laughs> exactly. means tickets for Hamilton that were $800 are going to go up to
1: $4,000. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, we found, um, we had our, our first three-day opening last month, only three days, and in that three days, we made up our entire budget. We could pay our actors, we could... We could um, pay off all our bills in just those
0: three days. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. That, that doesn't happen in theater. No, no, it doesn't. Um, Bruce, thank you very much for being with us. We um, And Lisa, thank you so much for arranging this. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're ending our shows right now uh, about 10 minutes early because we're wiping down all the counters, uh, changing the windscreens on the mics and keeping each other safe. Here in our studio, and so far it's worked, so we're going to keep that up for, for now. Uh, good luck with uh, your play, God of Vengeance, that you can get tickets for Thanks at cityboxoffice.com slash Yiddish, and uh, Lockdown Comedy, cityboxoffice.com slash Lockdown Comedy. Thank you so much for being with us. We're going out with some music from LaDonna Getz. Mm-hmm.